Hi, this is Nayetta. Hi, this is Michael. And welcome to The, the Help, Help Show. Show. Welcome back, guys, and thank you for tuning in to our 10th episode in our June four-part series, Daddy Lessons. So today, guys, I have a really, really, really extra special guest for you. Special. Yes, very special. She, her name is Kanidra Brown, and she is a family criminal law attorney, which we all need those in our lives, okay? Hello. So since this month, we can, we have the whole month of, what, June? June. Just one month, okay? I know. I know. It's only I know. Short 30 days. Yeah, yeah. For the, for the Father's Day um, session for Daddy's Lessons, but we, we brought Kanidra here today to, you know, educate and spread awareness how... First of all, it is important that fathers are daddies mm-hmm. <laughs> and that you guys have rights. And she's going to educate you on that. She's going to educate me. She's going to educate both of us right, on yeah, that. Yeah, she's going to school us off. Yeah, she's going to school <laughs> us. So, Kenidra, tell the audience, who is Kenidra? Okay, so I'm Kenidra Brown. I was born and raised here in Dallas. Um, I grew up in Oak Cliff, educated in DISD schools. Okay. Um, I went to Rice University in Houston, but came back to Dallas to go to law school and to practice here because um, the interesting thing about me is that I did grow up with an incarcerated father, and I grew up in a neighborhood where most of the males, most of the, you know, most of the older males were gone, either dead or incarcerated. And, you know, there are obviously incredibly systemic reasons for that, but there was also just a lack of general knowledge about attorneys, what they do, why they were needed in our neighborhood so that our men and now with the increasing um, number of black women who are being incarcerated right. why we need to be able to be back in these communities and be accessible and why our community needs to be knowledgeable about what's happening right. legally right okay. now and if, if the importance of lawyers or family lawyers or criminal lawyers hasn't hit you guys yet the state of the world are to let you know how important it is yeah. right. <laughs> that attorneys yes, who are aware of what's happening right. and why things happen systemically um, in their communities, it's very, very important. Okay. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So, Kanitra. Mm-hmm. It is Kanitra, right? Mm-hmm. Make sure that we, you know, our, 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 li- our audience you know, can pronounce yeah. your name right. Yeah. Uh, you, you guys say it like one of my aunts said, uh, and, okay. but I just, I know like if my mom and my dad catch the show, they're like, why didn't she just tell them what her name was? Kanitra with the Kanitra. Kanitra. So, Kanitra, you gave us a very good intro. Can you tell us a little bit about what you do and why? Right now, I'm the principal attorney of my own firm. I practice on the Monica, the law office of Kanitra Brown. I have a general practice, but most of my practice is family and criminal law. Um, it tends to be uh, what is needed in the community, especially among black young adults right now. It tends to be where the niche is, um, or just generally, you know, when people need legal help, that tends to be right. what you're calling your friends about. Hey, do you know a family attorney? Right. Do you know an attorney who can take care of? you know, my tickets or who can get, you know, this charge reduced or something like that. So it tends right. to be what most people need a lawyer for. Right. for. Okay. So it tends to be the bulk of my business. Okay. So you're not prepaid legal, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> we try to make sure. We to Let sure. me be Every attorney, unless you're working with legal aid, it's prepaid legal. Prepaid just, legal. You need, to pray, you need to pay your lawyers ahead of time. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so we'll, we'll get into that and, yeah. and its importance. Um, yes, you gotta yeah. pay lawyers. You, you have to, pay yeah, you have you to pay, pay them. That, yeah, they gonna get their money. <laughs> so, what is your experience of fathers when working with cases, um, Kenitra? Yeah. So, I've actually had uh, a few clients who were fathers. Okay. Um, I've had clients who wanted custody, clients 
who were fathers who had physical custody okay. but didn't have legal custody. And there's a difference between the two. Um, and I've had some who wanted custody and just didn't follow through. So just in general, from, from those experiences, what I've gotten from fathers um, is that I'm, I'm, and I don't, I don't want to say I don't want to it's make it sound like I'm victim blaming, but what, what usually follows is fathers have a hard time, one, relinquishing control of, of figuring out that they're not in complete control over situation mm-hmm. when they're in the family court system. No, we're not in control of it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's very difficult. Yeah. So you get frustrated. Yes, it is. And you get okay. impatient. Um, so patience, the lack of patience is an issue that I've, that I've dealt with. Okay. Um, Generally, how you think and logically, I can see how it makes sense. But over the long term, it it's detrimental to you when you want possession of your kids. Right. Um, is you don't want to pay for an attorney, or you don't want an attorney, or you balk initially when 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 fathers are pricing out attorneys, or when they're you know researching attorneys. Attorneys are going to give you their fees up front, mm-hmm. right? They're going to tell you, hey, I need five thousand dollars, and they tell you it's a retainer. Right. And all you hear is $5, you want five thousand dollars yeah. for for me to show up at court one time, and I think that's too much money I can do right. it myself. Right. right. Yeah. Um, and the truth of the matter is that five thousand dollar retainer is going to help that attorney file the right paperwork on your behalf. Okay. It's going to stretch out over months, maybe years of litigation. Um, it's because it's not going all to them at one time. Right. Once you like, we have trust accounts that we have to keep money in and, and take money out of, you know, at us at a certain time, or you don't ask the attorney if he or she has payment plans. So you're here five thousand and think I don't have that, and then think, well, I don't need, I, I won't get an attorney. Right. Okay. Instead yeah. of asking, what are the ways I can pay this off? Right, right, right. So there's that part, or you have it and you don't want to sacrifice it. Yeah. Because it's yeah. because to you, what's gonna happen is you're, it's not gonna work out in your favor anyway. And right. that that is a lot of what I've seen is that you hear misinformation, you hear about you know your homeboy, your homegirl situation, right. what happened, and you. You tie their facts to yours, right? Right. Yeah, those barbershop think, conversations, right? Yeah. And there's a lot of misinformation. Mm-hmm. Right. So you think, well, this is what happened to my homeboy, and it's almost the exact same way that it's happening with me and my child's mother, right. or you know, my child's parents and my child's you know, mother's grandparents if they don't live with her. So I don't even want to. I know how it's going to turn out for me, mm-hmm. right? And not recognizing that there's a human element in all of this. You know, there's a. You may be a different with a different judge. Right. The facts of your case may be different. Right. Um, and then the other thing is, a lot of them, and as much as we say it, you have to tell your lawyers when you're in a family case, mm-hmm. tell them everything. That's the problem right there. You, yeah. We are bound by confidentiality. Right. Okay. So I'm going to reference some cases here, but I'm not going to give any confidential information like that, that's specific to a case or whatever. But when a, when a lawyer tells you you need to tell them everything, right. tell them everything. Tell them because everything. the standard in, in family court is the best interest of the child. Mm-hmm. Right. So when you're arguing or when you're advocating or when someone's advocating for a child, evidence laws, civil procedure and evidence laws still play a role, but I don't want to say they're lax, hmm. um, but they're relaxed a little bit because if a judge needs to or thinks that he or she needs to hear about a certain fact in the background that determines who gets who gets the child mm-hmm. or who has to pay child support or anything like that, they're look, that's what they're listening and looking for. So what an attorney will do is, is put pleadings on file so that you have some type of defense on record. Okay. They'll keep certain facts out 
Okay. If you told you, an attorney can't help you if you didn't tell them everything about right. the situation. Right. And they don't want surprises. Yeah, they don't want a surprise. Yeah. There's no way right. that sometimes we can object, but if we don't have a good basis for an objection, a judge can overrule it. Right. Hmm. Um, and the other issue um, that I've found is sometimes fathers don't know the status of their case. You've never actually looked at your order, right. at your sacker. What, what we call a SAPS or, or you know, a suit affecting a parent-child relationship. You never actually looked at it. You don't know if you're under temporary orders right. or final orders. Okay. That, all those matters. You don't know if you've already had a default judgment right. filed against you. Have you missed deadlines? Um, can you file and ask for um, a change in status? So these types of things is I've I've encountered this a lot is that a father doesn't actually know right. what his rights I mean even on paper what his legal rights are you don't even right, know right. what your actual visitation schedule is right you so, think, you, yeah. so do you do you think it's best to uh, to have those initial consultations up front and then kind of have like a I guess walk you through the steps like okay we're gonna do this we're gonna do this. I mean, so, because a lot of fathers are confused. Mm-hmm. A lot of fathers are terrified of the process mm-hmm. because they've heard these horror stories and how things never work in their favor. Yeah. Like, like you mentioned, um, with my daughter, you know, I, I was kind of, um, I did my research. You know, mm-hmm. obviously we all go to Google. How but, much research did you really do? I did a lot of research. <laughs> there's a lot of it out there. So you, a there's lot a lot research. to find. Yeah. You know, and it's different for every state. Mm-hmm. You know, okay. Because, you, you know, especially like um, for me, I you know, I come from an athletic background. So my first thought was, you know, all these athletes who had these babies and, you know, the, the mothers take them to the cleaners. <laughs> so, so you was thinking you was Kobe or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Kobe's without the shots. So do you believe that uh, family, oh, I'm sorry, that, uh, that the laws view fathers differently? Actually, I, I really don't. It is codified in the, in the U.S. Constitution. Well, basically, when, when through the Supreme Court mm. interpreting Constitution and in state, in our state Constitution in Texas, and in our code, that there is a presumption that both parents are, and but the, both parents have an access and custody of a child right. okay. is in their best interest. Right, right. When you go to court, there's actually a presumption you have to overcome. When you when when courts, you know, send out standard um, possession agreements or you know when they make possession agreements, barring some other evidence to the contrary, those agreements are made based on the, on the presumption that both parents as joint managing conservators are what's best for the child. Okay. As in, when you look at what that means, both of you have the right to determine and you have to, and this basically, it basically forces you to co-parent, right? right. Yeah. So both yeah. of you have the responsibility or the job of deciding when that child gets a passport, what type of religion he or she practices or what mm-hmm. grows up in where um, one parent typically even in JMC joint managing service situation one parent does usually have the right to determine residence right. but but as far as schooling um, where he or she gets to go you know does he get a phone all of that that kind of stuff those are joint parenting decisions that that court order usually like spells out right yeah both of you have access to those types of things right and barring some type of you know agreed agreement between the two of you that's signed by a judge or you know that's legally binding or some other type of information that's what's usually your the presumption that you're overcoming 
the only way to overcome a joint managing conservatorship ruling or something like that is if there's, you know, an assault in the background, um, primarily on any type of family violence, um, some types of criminal records. Okay. Um, your absence. Right. Say you have a court date and you don't show up to court. Mm. You A default judgment, I mean, to a judge, what that looks like, your absence there looks like, and you don't even have an advocate. Because sometimes, you know, as long as your lawyer is in court and you're not there, sometimes that works for you too. Right. But if you're not there, I don't see, the judge is going to be like, you know, unless, you know, your child's mother is advocating for you, which is not her job. She doesn't right. have to. <laughs> which is the opposite. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And if she says, you know, I don't, he, he doesn't want anything to do with them. I've never gotten child support. He hasn't seen it. The judge has no choice to take it at her word because you don't have any pleadings on file. Right. You're not in court to advocate right. for yourself. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's why it looks like courts don't don't push for fathers' rights. Huh. Mm-hmm. Because fathers aren't there advocating for themselves. They don't push or for themselves. Or they don't push much. for themselves. Yes. Or you know what, you show up in court and you think that you're gonna have to you're gonna have a moment to get your side of the story in. And the fact of the matter is what happened how did you is that you don't understand the court system. For your for you to have a case in front of the for, in front of the judge, okay. either your child's mother or your child's guardian uh-huh. or the state itself, the attorney general has to have filed a motion to get you in court. And when they did that, they filed an affidavit that was either one to three to five to eight pages long about the situation. And you had an opportunity when you were served, you were supposed to file an answer. Right. Mm -hmm. When you file an answer, that or or counter file another petition that Hmm. gives you an opportunity to tell what your side of the story is and make your own pleadings. Okay. That's what the judge is making his or her decision based off. If you didn't do that, you're not going to be able to get a word in. (laughs) So basically, it's all documentation. It's Mm -hmm. it's who take, it's pretty much who takes the best notes. Right. Absolutely. And, and basically, (laughs) if you file an answer, if you file a general denial and you don't, and usually that at least alerts the judge to, hey, this person has you know, hey, why, why, why aren't the allegations in this petition true? But that judge is also assuming that you've read or had access to that right, to that yeah. petition, and typically that's not the case. Most most mm-hmm. men don't know to go on that they have to pay to get it downloaded, or to go don't know to go down to you know whatever court there was. Mm-hmm. Once you get something filed, it's going to tell you that case number. Okay. Right. Don't know to go look up that case number yeah. and try to get a copy of everything that's been filed about mm-hmm. that case. Huh, I didn't know that either. You're yeah. teaching me You something. need to. Yeah. Because you need to know what things have already been filed against you, what's already been said, right. what's what's not been said. These are the types of things that matter. And this is why we tell you, get a lawyer, because the lawyer's going to look at that and say, hey, we missed a deadline here. Yeah. Or we need to file a different we, we need to file a different form. Or, you know, you have seven days or 14 days within getting a citation to answer. You didn't answer. You got a default judgment. And the rules are I have three days, 21 days, 14 days from, from, from this judgment to file an appeal, blah, 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 blah. And most men either don't know that, right. know it and don't want to go through it, or huh. just, you know, think if I just show up, I'll get a word in. That's right. enough. And that's yeah, yeah. Not, enough. not enough. Most judges are going to be, I'm glad you're here, but, but you, know what? you don't have any pleadings on file. Right. I can't, I don't, I'm not going to. 
You know, yeah. I, men, you know, we just kind of speaking from a father's point mm-hmm. of view, um, we let our emotions get in the way mm-hmm. in the beginning because we're like, Pride is a big thing, man, you know, you we, we like, um, we like, hey, we created this baby together. We should be 50 50. And it mm-hmm. just does not work it that way. It does not work that way. And you go in there with yeah. that mentality, like, well, why can't I see her on this day? Or why can't I have her, like, you know, money through Thursday? Mm-hmm. You get her from, you know, you know, why are you the so called? You know, and you get frustrated and you get upset, and you know, I mean, the law is, you know, the law is the law. Yeah, and here's the thing: you think that you'll never have the opportunity, but get it, it is, it's the thing. Once you get, once you get in court, once mm-hmm. you're able to make your filings and your pleadings, most judges aren't going to make you hash this out in front of them doing that first doing that first court case. They're going to look at this and they're going to decide, hey, from these pleadings, I get the feeling that this is what's going on. Right. Right. So I'm going to make these types of rulings. Because right. when you make these, when you file your pleadings, you're going to ask, usually you ask for a prayer at the end. If your prayer as a father is, I want access to my child. Okay. Um, and I want, basically, is, is even I want access to my child. Okay. It's the biggest thing. Okay. And, or, you know, your, your child's mother says, Excuse me. It's okay. um, you're not paying child support, so you don't get to see hmm. your your child. Right. Even if you're under a court order that says, hey, this person still gets to end the visitation. Right. Let me make this very clear for parents or guardians who have physical custody of a child and are supposed to get child support from another parent or guardian, and that guardian is also supposed to get visitation. Hmm. Their visitation is not contingent on their ability or their timeliness with child support. Mm-hmm. That is a mutually binding court order. Right. You have to let your child, if that person has visitation and they're attempting to exercise it when the court order gives them the right to exercise it mm-hmm. and you don't let them, you're in violation of mm-hmm. the court order too. Yeah. Oh, wow, I didn't know that. Yes. It is not dependent on that person's ability to pay child support. Does that mean that there aren't consequences for not child, paying mm-hmm. child support? Absolutely not. Oh, yeah. Absolutely not. But you also are mutually bound by that agreement that mm-hmm. that person gets access to that child regardless of if they can pay child support. We'll get into why paying child support or what you can do when your child support is an issue um, later in some of these questions. Uh-huh. But um, if you want that and you're not getting it, it's your job as a father to go to court and say, hey, we, I have this court order where I'm supposed to have standard position of my child and she's not giving it to me. So take so, it to court. So the question I do have for you: mm-hmm. What experience of fathers with custodies um, or, or with custody disputes do you deal with? Like, um, what I'm trying to say is, like, what experience have you had with the with, with them? Yeah, yes. I mean, I've had the one that breaks my heart the most is, and and I and there are going to be some lessons in here for some of you, is I had a father who had had who has had sole physical custody of his child for two and a half years, mm-hmm. and um. And that time did not go and and update his uh, attorney general support order. He right. was still under court order to pay child support to her. Right. Um, so he never went and changed that. He he hadn't made any move to get the court order changed to reflect that that the child was in his physical custody um, until she filed because he went and filed an affidavit. When he finally did file an affidavit, mm-hmm. that he he got a, he got a letter about a, arrears from the from the attorney general and wasn't able to go f- uh, get his license renewed. Which, by the way, if you're behind on your child support and you're in arrearages and you're and you haven't made an effort to call the attorney general, they can file a motion on their own behalf to sanction you either with money hmm. um, that can keep your 
keep you from being able to get your car registered or your license renewed, mm. or if you uh, have a C- C- CDL license, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, or you need any type yeah. of license to do your work. If you're a financial advisor, you need a license to do your work. If you're an attorney and you need a license to do your work, <laughs> right? The attorney general can file a motion to to kind of encumber that license so that you're not able to practice and do the work that you that you need to do. Right. Um, yeah. But sliding that to the side, he hadn't done that. Hmm. And hmm. when she went to court uh, to enforce um, child support, it also she also at that time had in two years had never wanted anything to do with this child. Hmm. She also got custody of him in return. Right. Um, and it's not because we it's because also that person didn't follow up with me right. about getting into court. Hmm. <laughs> and right. I'm not I mean, most attorneys aren't gonna work for free. We're gonna right. if we want us to, we're gonna we're gonna refer you to legal aid. And there are a lot of legal aid offices in Texas, but legal aid yeah. of, of North Texas will definitely definitely takes those types of cases. Okay. Um, that's also a resource if you guys if for you guys listening, right. there is a legal aid. There are several legal aid offices in the North Texas area that take these type of cases if you cannot right. afford to get a private attorney. Right. Okay. You know, actually, just kind of touching on that really really mm-hmm. quickly. Uh, there's a there's a website that I went to mm-hmm. uh, when I first got started with mm-hmm. the, my proceedings. It's called uh, FathersForKids.com. And just really quickly, it's headquartered here in Dallas. Uh, it's one of the largest and most active father right organizations in the U.S. Uh, they're nonprofit, but they do things like free access to attorneys. You can get uh, discounted with uh, process services, discounted DNA testing. This DNA testing. You, you need that. Yes, Go get. Hey, that. even if you know that kid is yours, you still need, you still need to go get a DNA test. Yeah. You need to do it because at the end of the day, if it turns out that it's not yours. That's a whole different thing. Yeah. Well, the other part of that is while we say that is if you want to have access to your child, right? Um, there are three ways to make sure that you're. And if anything happens with your child, say they're arrested, um, they get involved in um, child protective services system, or uh, someone tries to say they're in the foster system and, and you're not available. You either you know you're serving time, you're in the military or something like that. They end up in the system. The way that that our legal services systems works with, with CPS or anything like that is mm-hmm. who's the if they can't find a parent either via birth certificate or whatever mm-hmm. also being on the birth certificate does not guarantee you paternal rights by right. the way guys right yeah. um what you need to do <laughs> or if, if you if you got someone pregnant and you're not really certain about their uh, reliability or their ability to tell you the truth about when they're having a child or if they're going to give that child up for adoption yeah. Texas does have what's called a putative father registration system okay mm-hmm. and what this does is, is while that person is pregnant or within 31 days of them having the child you can go on this website huh. and provide your information um, so that if that per- that child is put up for adoption yes. you require notice before someone can adopt this child right. what's the name um, of the website it's you can actually find the link through the Texas Health and Human Services website okay um, or just type in Texas putative p-u-t-a-t-i-b-e father website oh, wow. and there's one in almost every state because it happens a lot huh. yeah, that kids are given up for adoption or kids are, or are you know rights to them are given to someone else without a father being notified because the state doesn't know that there is one right wow. so you go in and you may not know the name of your child you go in but you put the name of the mother what you right. know about them your information right. keep it up to date and most most men here go to the attorney general's website and think that it's a bad word they hate it because that's where they have to pay child support or right. that's where they like bad news comes from 
but that that also has several resources for how to make sure you get access to your child should something happen mm-hmm. um what usually happens with um with those is once you put your name on the putative father registration it's it again does not guarantee paternal rights but there's a presumption there okay. that you get notice and that you can go and assert your parental rights right um the other thing is you can also have the mother of your child um sign what's called a uh, acknowledgement of paternity affidavit oh, wow. so if both of you agree that this, this person is the father of this child right um that's you can take that to court and that that runs all day no Paper dna court. test right. necessary yeah. Yeah. the, Paper um, trail. the Paper other trail. thing is, <laughs> if you are married to the to the mother of your child okay mm-hmm. um by law you are the putative father these things these are the kinds of things that will help you protect should you yeah. want to assert your rights over your child okay those are the things that you need to do to protect your right to do so um that dna test right. putative father website use Resources on the attorney general. I, I, I didn't know anything about have a that. Pater- or have an acknowledgement of paternity. All of these things, or marry, right? Right. Um, you know. Oh god. So you, yeah. so you don't have to go to Mari Popin. You are not I mean, the father. By, I mean, by <laughs> law, I mean, I mean, there's a lot of litigation that can go into. Hey, the, that the actual biological father of that child wanting rights, and then litigation will ensue. But by Texas law, if you're married to a woman. Whilst and you know, and she has a child during that marriage, it is you are the putative father for well, you know. Me, okay, so Kanisha, let me ask you a really quick question. Mm-hmm. So, how true is it that fathers are not involved in cases when children are removed from the homes? Um, actually, that is, I think, as it's not true at all. Okay. Um, oh, here's okay. here's what I want you to get. Here's the human element that I'm talking about. Okay. When CPS takes a child out of a home. Okay. If a father is not immediately called, it's because they have had no independent contact with a father. Okay? okay? okay. Um, that's the very first thing you ought to think about is would they have reason to know that you're in the picture or you're involved, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is what, what okay, then you have to worry about is did CPS get involved because there was an altercation involving you okay. and that child's mother? Because okay. the minute domestic violence gets introduced into a situation, whether or not there was hitting or not, the minute that charge is slapped on, the minute that becomes, you know, something that has to be adjudicated at a criminal courts, okay. if you are involved, CPS is going to put you under a plan to what we want you before we give you this child to take parenting courses and anger management mm-hmm. courses. Okay. That's the other reason why a father may not automatically get, like, custody of a child should CPS get involved. Okay. The other thing is, is if there are ongoing custody issues or you're not together, even if you get along, if CPS asks for a voluntary relinquishment or asks for a voluntary placement from a mother or a guardian, where can, where can you place this child? Um, it has been my experience that they're not going to say the dad first because what's oh. running through their mind is also if I give this child to to the dad uh-huh. are they going to try to take them away from me I was gonna ask are they going to makes... go are they going to immediately go to court and ask for sole custody right. are they going to use this as ammunition to keep me from getting my child back a mother who loves their kids and who you know makes a mistake or whatever or beats on them or whatever it doesn't mean that he or that or even a father, that they don't love their kids. Right. But they do need help. Right. You know what I mean? Exactly. They absolutely need help. Right. And they need to take advantage of the resources that they're going to get when CPS and the courts get involved. Right. right. They need to. Right. But they're also at the same time thinking, you know, what is it going to look like? 
this is where pride and feelings comes in. What is it going to look like if they take my kids from me? And so they'll want to give them to the person most likely to give that child back when they finish their services okay. or when CPS gets out of their lives or when the court has already has said that they can go back. Mm-hmm. But if it's a father, that becomes much harder. Yes. So I will tell you that I had a case where I started out representing the father and then actually went to go represent the grandparents oh. on the case as interveners. Um, but that father, the minute mom lost her kids uh, and voluntarily relinquished, voluntarily relinquished them to grandparents, he went immediately to court and said, "I want my I want my child," and she fought that tooth and nail. And that's I I think that's the the thing that most parents don't want to deal with most moms, because once once it happened in court, it was I don't want, I don't want to say smooth sailing, but he I mean he's the next parent. Yeah. And the presumption, like I told you, is that it's that courts assume that it's better that a child is with one of their natural parents. Oh, yeah. Or yeah. both of them. Yeah. They always assume that. Right. So the minute CPS gets involved, if you're not called, assume that it's because that person is scared that you're going to be able to keep them. Right. Because that's, I mean, see, and see, when CPS makes recommendations, that's usually what they'll do. If, you, if you're slow with your services, if they come and do a home visit and they just figure out, you know what, this child may be better off with their dad, mm-hmm. um, you know, that scares some moms because they're like, well, I am not going to get them back or I'm not right, going to get this yeah. extra right. child support that I am getting from the situation right. because now they're with this parent. Right. And so they don't tell CPS. They'll, they'll tell CPS in a minute. Uh, dad's, not, dad's not involved. Hmm. Um, <laughs> and and they you could be and you could be getting along just fine, right. but under that situation, under that type of stress, you don't know. I mean, right. and so how so, so how does the law support fathers that want custody? And and what are some of the or what do you think are some of the barriers? Like I, I said, the biggest the biggest barrier is misinformation, okay. the lack mm-hmm. of patience okay. um, from fathers themselves. Um, but when fathers want custody of their kids. They need to be clear about what they want. Again, right. this is why I advocate get an attorney. You think mm-hmm. you can just go to court and do this yourselves. You guys look at this big family law code book right here. Um, this yeah. is just family law. So I can't go to, I can't go to Google. Or <laughs> you ask, can't. Ask you can't go. But what you need to understand is when you go to court and you're, and you're advocating for yourself, it's called pro se. Um, and I've seen some pro se clients do really well for themselves. Right. But they sit in court every day. And they didn't go to work. They sat in court and watched it every day. Right. But when you represent yourself pro se, you need to understand that you are in, you're held to the same rules attorneys are. Right. And right. if attorneys get flustered and nervous in court, can you imagine how much harder it is to sit to talk? It's intimidating to go and plead your case to a judge because right. you're not always. I mean, you don't know what they're. Sometimes you. Sometimes what they're asking you, you don't get it, right. or you're missing the point, right. or you want to tell the whole story and they'll just be like, "No, nah, I don't want to hear narrative." Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to hear that. Keep it up. Yeah. So this is what I'm saying. My thing is, when you, if you want custody of your kids and you're serious about it, you need to be able, you need to say, I gotta, I'm going to have to sacrifice. You're going to have to sacrifice time from work. Yeah. You're going to have to sacrifice some money. money. You're going to have to sacrifice your, you know, a little bit of, if, you, if you're married to someone else, if you, you know, in a dating pool, you may have to sacrifice time for that. Because litigation, it's a heavy thing. Right. It's it's something that you know, and m- my experience has been some fathers don't hesitate to do it, and mothers definitely won't hesitate to do it. Right. right. But you have to be willing to say I am going to to take to do what I need to do to get my kids. And what I wanted to stress here is that a lot, of, and I've heard I've heard men say this. You know, if I take off, if I keep taking off work 
to come to court, I'm going to lose my job. Right. And right. in your head, you're thinking, there's no point in me having my kid if I don't have a job. Right. Or there's no point in me trying to get my kid if I don't have any income coming in. Right. So what's the point of doing that? That is such a mistake, gentlemen. Do not do that. There are many women who have primary custody of their children who don't work. While, and, and their fathers and their baby's fathers, you know, have a steady home, make a lot of money, whatever. And they, don't, they don't work. Here's what you need to, if you lose your job trying to advocate for your child, there are several services even in, because I particularly work in Dallas County, Dallas mm-hmm. County has family services that'll help you get into job training huh. or that'll help you, you know, if you aren't working, you still, you can still get, go sign up for benefits. Right. Do not be ashamed. If you want your child that bad, put your pride aside. Because right. what your child needs more than your money is your presence. Yes. Right. And I'm going to tell you, I'm telling you this from a personal experience. My dad went to jail when I was around five and got out around 20. Um, and there's a lot of issues in that. But even as a, tw- you know, over his last 12, no, almost 13 years since he's been out of jail, I have needed my father as an adult. Your child does not care what you can get them. The, the standard in court isn't how who can provide you know, the most money for the child. The standard is who provides what works in the best interest of the child. Right. So who provides the environment that's best for the child? Who provides, who's able to best get that child to school, to learn, you know, to get access to the things that child needs so if you're afraid of losing your job you know because you have to keep coming in and out of court you're going to have to figure out which one is more important so is it more important for you to have your child or have access to your child or is it more important for you to just be going to work so the question i have for you how does the law treat incarcerated fathers since your father was incarcerated okay so it's a very this is a very touchy it's not touchy okay it's just it's a very technical area of the law um, and so I want to be very clear is that just because you go to jail or you're incarcerated, it does not mean that you automatically lose rights to your child or that your rights, your parental rights are terminated. You do lose some rights just by virtue of not being there. You lose okay. access to your child, right? Okay. So there's no law that says that, you know, um, your baby's, your, your child's mother has to bring them to visit you in jail or prison or whatever. There's none of that. So what happens is, uh, again, the presumption is it's best to have both parents in the child's life. So just because you went to jail does not mean that a court is going to automatically terminate your rights. However, there are instances where your rights can be involuntarily terminated if you're incarcerated, depending on the charge, mm-hmm. how long remains on your sentence, mm-hmm. um, and, and or the circumstances surrounding your case, right? So invol- some involuntary uh, termination reasons may be that you, that there's been an allegation and proven or you've been convicted of sexual assault of a child, not just your child, but of a child. Right. So um, I have some cases, I have had a case where uh, rights were, were terminated because the father was convicted of, he was a teacher. He was convicted of having sex with students, of teenage students in school. Hmm. And, and he, you know, to his mind, he's like, these 17, 18-year-old girls, that should not be... Rights involuntarily terminated. Right, right, right. You were <laughs> in that you were convicted of having sex with a child. Right. Um, any type of any type of prohibited sexual conduct. Um, if you've got um, battery assault and battery charges against a guardian of that child, or you know any type of family violence convictions. Um, if you're going to be in jail for the next twenty years right. over your child's 
you know, young adult life and somebody else, you know, that your your child's parent, your child's mother wants to go and marry someone else. Um, and that person wants to adopt your child, they can uh, push for involuntary rights. Uh, um, uh, because it's what the court can make a determination <laughs> that it's better for this person who's in the home with your child, right. who's, mm-hmm. who's already a part of your life, to be in that, to be the father in the situation. Right. Um, or to be the adoptive parent in the situation, because I don't want to assume that everybody's had a right, right, right. here. Yeah. Um, but if you've been accused of murder, capital murder, any oh, of these, wow. there are certain types of charges that will involuntarily terminate your rights. Okay. The and the, what you get in that is that sometimes you will get notice, and you can get, have an, a lawyer come to court and advocate on your behalf. Okay. And argue this is why this person shouldn't lose their rights to their child, but um, when the, I mean it could happen. But here's the bright side of it: your parents, if your if your parents still want to have something to do with their grandchild, mm-hmm. they still have rights. They right. still can go and advocate and say, you know, my son's rights were terminated. But I still want to exercise or get some type of possession right. or visitation with this child. They can still go and do that. They didn't, you know, their rights to the child weren't terminated. Yours were. Right. <laughs> right. right. But um, so there's certain, there's, there's that, is that you have to be aware that certain types of convictions or certain types of glints of sentences or something like that, that there are decisions that can be made um, that terminate your rights or that limit your rights based on the best <coughs> of the child. So, the other thing is you can get out of jail. Mm. Even after that child has turned 18, right. and old back child support. Ooh. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> it is a huge burden to get out of jail uh-huh. and get out with debt. Oh, right. And to get out with that type of debt. So, you know, speaking of yeah. that, so, so <laughs> yeah. how, how does a court decision play an impact on that? Like, I mean, obviously, if you go to jail for mm-hmm. a violent crime or mm-hmm. something that's drug-related or sexual, yeah. you know, you get out. Like, how does, that, how does that impact the court's decision? Okay, so if you went to jail for drugs, um, it's it's... 99% well, no, I don't want to give you that it's likely that you didn't get your rights terminated and it's likely that you still have access to your child okay. it's likely that you can get out of jail and there's going there's there's probably going to be or should be already a, a custody agreement on file just because you went to jail for for if your rights haven't been terminated and okay. you are not required to okay clear this up if you went to jail and you're in your parole or probation or, on, or whatever under some type of sexual assault issue with a child you probably won't get to see your child because okay. you're bound by other rules that keep you from doing that right, right, right you can't right. see your child um except under supervised um, right visitation, visitation. Yeah. or you may not even get that because you have conditions of your probation or parole that prevent you from seeing your child. any no not your ch- any child yeah yeah because yeah. you've 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 been convicted under under you know depending on the severity of your of the sexual assault charge, right? Okay. Um, but other types of things like, you know, some a battery or you, you had a fight with somebody else and got an assault and it had nothing to do with your family. It wasn't family violence. You got a drug charge and you just went to jail for five years. You still have, um, you still have rights to visit your child mm-hmm. right? once, you, once you're out. But they're supervised so, though, right? You don't, it doesn't even have to be supervised. Okay. Huh. Sometimes it's, you literally can come out and you have your full visitation schedule. Oh, oh wow. Nice. Right? That's nice. Especially, yeah. I mean, yeah. the only way to get that, to get that changed is if that, if the other parent has gone to court to ask for, right, for supervision. Um, but if that hasn't, if that hasn't happened, you're still allowed, I mean, if, if or be proactive and go get yourself on a visitation schedule. Right. Go down to the attorney general. Put yourself on child support, right? And 
put and file your own affidavit to get your own visitation. If that person is saying, hey, you done been in jail, I don't trust you, you don't get to see my child, blah, 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 blah. Right. But you in jail, with, if you've got kids, it's been my experience that whether you're in federal or state prison, if you've got kids and you go to jail, one of the things that they're going to make you do while you're in a jail is take a parenting course. Okay. They're going to make you take a um, anger management course. And they're going to make you take a reentry course. And they're going to make you take a re- reunification course if you've got kids. Okay. They'll teach you how to get back into your, your kids' lives. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to take, do all of that and do it well. Okay. And get a certain amount of hours before they release you anyway. Right. Right? Yeah. Okay. Because the assumption is you're going to get back in touch with your kids. Right. Unless there's some type of court order or other condition of your, of your release that prevents you from doing such a thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um... I think most fathers will assume that they don't have access because they've been in jail, blah, blah, blah. Don't do that. Be proactive. If you want access to your child, to see your child, to help raise them, or to, to, you know, help guide them, go and be proactive, especially if they're not 18 yet. Right. Yeah. Even if they aren't. I'm, I'm going to tell you, when my dad got out of jail, he had a hard time just adjusting to all of us being grown. And it was, we bashed heads. We still do sometimes. But that's what, I mean, that's what parents and kids do. Right, right. We, right. They, we do, this is what we do. And I will admit that sometimes I'm like, who are you talking to? You didn't raise me. <laughs> you know, I, 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 will, I will freely admit that, that, that I am as stubborn as he is. And I'm like, bro, you can't tell me nothing about, her, about my mom. She could be wrong with two left shoes, but you don't get to say it. Right, these, right, these but you can't say it. You know, <laughs> I mean, and, and kids will be like, you know, I don't care about you because you didn't raise me. Right. right. But the yeah. thing is, like, if you do the work, because right. there are so many services out here, churches, um, you don't even have to be religious, but they will provide you with, you know, parents and courses if you can't right. afford to pay yeah. through service through family services. Right. Um, there are a lot of a lot of things out here that a lot give of resources, you, a lot of resources yeah. that will, you know, help you get back involved, give you the tools that you need to get back involved in your child's life. Yeah. Um, and that's incredibly important. You cannot let pride. I cannot tell you, even parent, kid, uh, men who did go to court to get access to their child, you know, the recommendation is, hey, you can get them as much as you want if you go take a parenting course. Right. I ain't doing that. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Right. I ain't doing that. Right. Guess what? That, guess what? Uh, either that, that child's guardian ad litem or attorney ad litem or the mediator is going to re- recommend to the court. Supervised or no visitation or very little visitation because you aren't showing me any type of propensity to want to better yourself as a parent. So the question I have for you, since Mm -hmm. we're talking about on a little bit of a tablet of a lighter note, it Mm -hmm. may may not be. um, Tell me a little bit something positive experience that you had with your father since you know he was incarcerated for Mm thirteen years and uh, no he was he's been out for thirteen years right and um, so. Tell me a little bit of some positive experience that you've had with your father I mean, that I, you can I think, think of. I have a lot. I mean, okay, I, that's not to say, because we, like I said, we butt, we butt heads a lot <laughs> when he came out. Um, and I was, I was excited for him to be out. But, you know, as the years have gone by and he's not gotten in trouble again, he's model. You know, it just, it took relearning each other again. Okay. But I see my dad. Two to three. I, I, we have a standing Sunday date. Mm. Um, I, I like this. Is you good. know, the only time that I may miss seeing him on Sundays mm-hmm. is um, if I have, if you know, my schedule is too busy. Um, I'm also narcoleptic, so sometimes I just lose my whole day. Like <laughs> I will lose my whole day. Um, but sometimes I'll go over there and I will, I'll just go over there and go to sleep. And he doesn't care because he will just sit there and you know let me lay on his lap or something or right. you know yeah because yeah, you just being there because it's just like hey it's it's, yeah, a, it's, it's for him. 
the joy is you're there. Right. And then I'm the only, my, you know, the three of us, four, but three with my mom. Um, I'm the only one that's not married and doesn't have, you know, I'm not, I don't have any kids. And I'm, so he's like, I don't see what the, why you can't come see me. <laughs> like, what are you over there doing? Like, what you doing? <laughs> like, what's so important? You can't come see me. <laughs> so, I mean, and so I mean, and I make it a point. Um, and he makes it a point to call me. Right. Um, because my thing is, my mom, I, I, it's, and I, it's a habit. My mom will call three or four times a day. Yeah. And I'm going to talk to her three or four times a day because it's how many times she calls. Mm-hmm. And what men will do is if they think that they don't have anything to say, they won't call. Right. Call your kids. Right. Yeah. Make them talk to you. Yes, I agree. You know what I mean? Like, I agree. I will tell you in a minute. Make it a point. If you, if, if, if you have visitation and for whatever reason that mother or whoever has your child is le- not letting you see them, first of all, the other reason why I'll tell you to go to Attorney, General, Attorney General's website, it's going to give you the number for the uh, sheriff's office. Okay. Uh, in your in your in your jurisdiction, right, wherever yeah. you are, Parish, mm-hmm. every yeah. time you're denied a legally allowed visitation, call the sheriff's office and let them make a report. We, and we talked about this before documentation. Document when you don't get to see your kids. Right. If okay. you're supposed to see your kids and you don't see them, yeah. document. Be detailed. Yeah. Yeah. Detailed. Yeah. And don't just hey, don't just you. You can make a journal. Don't yes. be petty. Do that too. Yeah, yeah, don't but be call, call, and be respectful <laughs> every single time it happens. I don't care how crazy that other person gets. Right. Be respectful. Right. If they if they don't want you, don't try to break in the house. Try oh, to come yeah, out. Don't no, try no, to no. take the kid. Yeah. If they say no, you can't have them. And it's your appointment weekend. Call the sheriff's office. See if they'll come up. If they don't, make it make it make a note of it. Right. Documentation court, always wins. And right. go to court yeah. and say. This person is in violation of this court order. Now, could you strap on like a GoPro and go to the door? <laughs> I mean, like, here's the deal about recordings. I'm just here's the deal about rec- recordings are, are evidence. If any type of recording or anything like that, there are evidence in court, but you have to make sure you get them in the right way and you have to make sure you are not exploiting your own child in those. Okay. In your really go. So you, like, don't so get you can say, child. like, you are being recorded. Yeah, really? I, mean, yeah. I would do that. Check no, I, just, I know you would. Yeah, but I'm just paying like yeah. Yeah. But don't get your child and try to get them on video and saying, you know, uh, uh, you know, back saying, it, "Do you not like? I mean, does it make you mad that your mom doesn't let me let you see me?" And then try to go to court and say, "Oh this, yeah. Yeah. don't do that." Yeah, because a judge is gonna look at that and be like, "You're manipulating right. your child." Even if it's true, even if that child wants to say that, they might throw you out the courtroom. Please be like yeah. jazz. Oh. Yeah, the minute you want to put on, I mean, and then if your child is old enough, you have there. There are rules that you can file a motion that lets your child testify. Hey, mm-hmm. I want to spend time. And see my dad. Right. You know what I mean? There are ways to get to get what you want um, within the law. You just need to know. A lot of it is you just don't know about it or you need to know. Right. This is why we tell you, get an advocate. Right. You know, get an advocate. You know, so that, that actually leads me to my next mm-hmm. question. So what exactly, like, give me the top maybe three to five things that, that a father needs to do. You know. So I kind of made like a bullet list, and y'all okay. can look at it. It's not even legal. My thing is like <laughs> preserve your rights and effort. Like I want if you hear if you hear these little mantras from me, preserve your rights. Okay, and I told you how to do that. You right. know, make sure you you be proactive and go to court yourself. Okay, put yourself on child support if right. you need to. Right. Um, um. Speaking of that, if you give your child's mother money because you're not on formal child support, always do it with a with a check. Money. Or yes. some or a money order or something because yeah. when you guys do go to court and or if you know she's if you ever have to go to court, the minute it, it happens, somebody's getting on child support. So right. if you can show that you've been giving money, you get credit for that. Yes. Put this aside. But preserve your rights 
Effort matters. Okay. Be persistent. Persi- be consistent. Okay. Persistent. Be consistent. willing to sacrifice okay. time, money, whatever. Oh. Okay. Be loving. Okay. Be proactive. Okay. My thing is, you're if <laughs> a lot of men want their kids, but they don't know how to be. Oh, they haven't learned. Like one of the things that my father's learned since he's been out is that you can't. What, what, and I see this with a lot of kids, with a lot of fathers with a kid. You won't hug your child, hmm. particularly if they're a boy. You won't hug your child. You won't kiss his face. Hmm. You won't let other dudes kiss his face. You don't let him, you don't you don't want other dudes to hug your kid, right. your male child, blah blah. Hmm. And I say that, and it seems like why are we getting off topic? We're not. If you can be affectionate with your child, the uh, the right way, right. teaching your child how to. And you and yourself, right. how to grapple and deal with being comforted, right? Being held. Very. A important. child needs to know that their father is not just going to provide for them, but they're going to comfort them. Right. That yes. they're going to be present for them. Yes. That they're, they're going to be proud of them, and that they're not going to be afraid to show that in either a physical, in, in either in some kind of way. If you right, if you right. can't sh- say it, you need to be able to hug your child. If you right. can't hug your child, you need to be able to say it sincerely. And these are things when we go to court, or uh, when things happen in court, you can, you know, one of the things that parents that some fathers will argue is that, you know, there's this alienation thing happening. You okay. know, her, his mother or her mother has has told her so many bad things about me. Okay. But that child doesn't have any recourse because they don't know what it feels like to be comforted by you. Right. They don't know what it feels like to be, you know. <clears throat> Sometimes they don't know that because right. you haven't made a consistent effort to see them. Right. You know, you haven't been persistent about seeing them. Um, for some, for a standard court order, some people always forget. You get one day in that week to go pick your child up from school. Right. Mm-hmm. Not just your not not if you not, not just that second that two three five thing or that two four five or whatever your weekends may be. You get one week one weekday out of that week to go pick your kid up from school. You get them at six o'clock. Right. Or four o'clock or whatever you guys decide to do. You go pick them up from school and they stay overnight in the middle of the week. That's a standard agreement. Mm-hmm. Okay. Most people miss that. They right. just think they get the weekends. Yes. Right. They completely miss that in a standard agreement. Right. But it makes a huge difference. It does. When your kid can come outside and know that this is the day my dad is coming to pick me up. It does. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. That's actually um, what I do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I get yes, on Wednesdays. Yeah. 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 Yes. yeah. So and, and typically the standard agreement is you get them Thursdays, but you can change that yeah. based on what works for your schedule. But you can also ask Wait, for a 50-50. You can ask for, <laughs> hey, oh, you know, with 50-50s, it happens that, you know, one parent has them from Sunday to Wednesday, the next mm-hmm. parent has them from Thursday to Monday. Right. Okay. And the next yeah. week it switches off. Right. Okay. There's yeah. still a child support element that, that's at play there sometimes. Right. Um, but these, there are different, there are several ways you can get physical custody of your child. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but you need to know that those are things you can ask for. Right. Okay. And don't be manipulated and, by the mother. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Wait, you don't guys, look at me. I don't have any kids. Know, first of all, manipulated by the mothers. I'm, I'm like, saying. I don't, I don't have any because, children. Because a lot of because a lot of fathers, we get duped into thinking that we're, we're you not. You duped yourself. No, well, I'm just saying like we get. We don't get, get thought. Yeah, you know, like like we get duped into thinking that we don't we don't get certain we don't get access to mm-hmm. our child. You know, we let the mother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. and we and we like okay. Yeah, you know is that what you do? You know, sometimes you know, uh, okay. and it will be, it will be. Oh well, I put him in, in karate, so okay. he's in, he's or or she's in karate or dance class in this night, so you can't come get them. Right. Okay. Well, I'm gonna come and watch them, and then they go home with me. Right. You right. know, you need to have it set up so your kid has has. You're not your house is not a temporary house. 
You know what I mean? Like, yeah. if, and once you set that up, your child has a room, clothes, and activities that he or she does at your house too. Okay. You, do you know what I mean? Right. Like, you need to be a parent, and these are things that when you don't, when you just do the bare minimum, or you don't do anything. Right. You, I mean, that's why it becomes so much harder for fathers to make a case for getting more possession of their kids right. or any type of possession. Yeah. So if you need again. Be persistent. Okay. Be consistent. Okay. You are your own best advocate. Right. And you can't let what happened in your homeboy's case be the template for what's, what you assume is going to happen. You just, I'm not going to fight it because we have the same facts. I guarantee you, you don't. I guarantee you don't. You don't. You don't. And again, the standard in, in family courts is best, best interest of the child. Or I've seen this where, you, where you've gone to court before and the judge was so adamant about something, wouldn't let you talk or wouldn't let you advocate for yourself that you don't want to do it again. Mm. You're frustrated and you're pissed off and you don't want to do it again. Right. <laughs> again, persistent right, yeah. <laughs> and consistent. Okay. And this is also where it helps to have an attorney where you tell them everything um, because that matters. Say and, and things that happened you know, before a court order had been put in that wasn't considered, okay. uh, this is a big one. It cannot be considered between two cases. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. So if you got an order put in in 2008. Okay. And change of circumstance. And circumstances changed between 2008 and 2017. Okay. And in court, they try to bring up something that happened pre-2008. Okay. There is a legal principle that doesn't allow that kind of thing. Because there's already been a, 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 an order issued since that time. So, again, this is why you need a lawyer. Because you miss little nuances like that. So... We're gonna before we wrap this up, which this is an amazing interview. It really and I've is. had it learned really I've learned so much. I'm on the other side of this chair, like I wish I'd have had her. Like, <laughs> Help me please. Right. But before we wrap this up, we're gonna do a quick true and false. Mm-hmm. Um I think I have three questions. Mm-hmm. Um so true or false, does the court automatically award the children to the mothers? False. Okay. And why is that false? Real quick. Again, because you have a presumption that both parents are the are best for the child. You have joint managing conservatorship. What you will what you will have is sometimes the mother is, is gets the right to to say where that child lives primarily. But you can you can make a case that you ought to be the primary parent. Right. Okay. Yeah. True or false? Um, fathers are automatically put on child support. False. False. <laughs> false. 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 <laughs> okay. Last one. Default. Yes. But default, right. okay. On default, you will be. <laughs> okay, so is it true? Is it true or false that fathers are discriminated against in court? False. false. Okay. okay. False. So this is good. Again, See, this is if yeah. you just come yeah. to court and you don't have any pleadings on file, this right. is why you feel like you're being discriminated against because a judge is going to let you talk. Yeah. Okay. But put some pleadings on. Put get your pleadings on file. Get your get your affidavit on right. file. Right. And you may just feel like you got a shot. Okay. Hey, okay. And be, be intentional. Yeah, I like right. it. Exactly. Right. Be, intentional. be intentional. Be proactive. Be ready. Put yourself. If you think that any that any of this is going to become an issue, like you you guys are already combative or anything, go put yourself on child support. Right. Hmm. Um. Or say oh say you're already on child support and something happens where you lose your job right. any of that. You do not need to be afraid of the attorney general's office. They'd rather get something than nothing. Go and update right, your yeah. situation. Huh. Always keep your address and phone number updated. Mm-hmm. Right. And always keep um, your your income information updated. Um, and I say this, this is also useful if you have that kind of information on file. When something does happen where your child is involved with the state, either they're, they're arrested themselves, they get involved in the juvenile system, CPS gets involved, right. or the attorney general gets involved in some other kind of way, they've got updated information on you. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. The state has information on you. So we, so and, now, yeah. hold on. And knows so you're we, actively wanting to be involved in your child. So we, now we're talking about updated information, Miss mm-hmm. Kenitra Brown. <laughs> How can we get in contact with Miss Kenitra? It's the updated information. How can we right. get some information on you? You need to get in touch with me. Um, my phone number is 214-642-6926. But as any attorney will tell you, the best way to contact any of us and get us to call you back is to email, email. us. Okay. Um, email. Because you never know what we're doing during the day. Right. But we're almost always going to get emails at some point. So my right. email address, my work email address is Kenitra, K-E-N-I-T-R-A-B dot law at gmail.com. Um, and you guys, there are a lot of family lawyers out here who are amazing at what they do and who advocate for both fathers and mothers. Um, so do your research and get out right. here. I mean, we are black fathers, and this is nationally proven, are much more active in their lives than any other race of fathers in the United States. Okay. Mm. Do not be, and, and do not let somebody's memes, Facebook memes or whatever, tell you any differently. Right. Okay. Black fathers are more involved in more substantive areas of their kids' lives than any other race. That's awesome. That is awesome. So please, (laughs) please do not be afraid to sacrifice to get more access to your kids if you think that you have a case. Ms. Kenitra? I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you, myself and Michael. We are so grateful that you came and you didn't just get off of work. Did you? I work for myself. Sure. Okay. Oh, nice. <laughs> oh, okay. She's always working. Right, right. <laughs> hey, you know, hey, guys, we've talked about a lot of different things. And just really, really, really quick, okay. um, I just want to give, I feel like there's a guy out there listening right now. And I just want to give him some encouragement really quick. Okay. Um, there's a book called 48 Laws of Power by Robert Greene. A lot of people read it. A lot of people love it. Number 34 says, be royal in your own fashion. Act like a king to be treated like one. The way you carry yourself will often determine how you are treated. So don't go in court acting crazy, all right? <laughs> okay. Listen to your lawyer. Mm-hmm. In the long run, appearing vulgar or common will make you look disrespectful mm-hmm. to people. For a king respects himself and inspires the same sentiments in others. By acting regally and confident in your powers, you will make yourself seem destined to wear a crown. Fellas, do the right thing. Fellas, go to church. Go to, I mean, go to courts with suits. <laughs> We're slacks, people. Fitted, Don't come fitted to fitted suits. Jeans on. Fitted suits. <laughs> and thank you for listening to The Help Show. For more information, please visit thehelpshow.com. Thank you for listening, and please stay tuned.